We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 243 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, the day after the announcement of the name. The name saga is over. At least we think that it's over. No, we're pretty sure that it's over. 2.2.22 has come and gone. And as a lot of us expected, Commanders is the name. The Washington Commanders. Hail to the Commanders. Will that become a thing, by the way? Hail to the Commanders. As hail to the Redskins was a thing. You know, the team on Wednesday afternoon did put out a tweet that included HTTC, as in hail to the Commanders. We'll see if that catches on. But what do you think of the name? Commanders. What'd you think of the reveal of the name Commanders? What'd you think ultimately of the rollout of the name Commanders? Uh, Oh, I have some stuff to say about all of this. I'll give you my thoughts coming up next segment. But hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. This is the show for 2.3.22, what sets up to be another major day for the team now known as the Commanders, because it is on this Thursday that we have that roundtable with multiple former Commanders employees before Congress detailing their experiences of workplace misconduct while working for the team. What, oh what, is going to come from that. In the meantime, though, I have a lot for you on the reveal of the name Commanders, including some scheduled fun with things that went on on Wednesday. I also have thoughts for you on what Ron Rivera had to say on Wednesday. Yeah, Ron Rivera, Don Ron, he spoke at length on Wednesday. Now, he wasn't at FedEx Field for the reveal of the new name, but he did do a lengthy Zoom press conference after the reveal. He talked about why he wasn't at the reveal of the new name and also why he isn't at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, Ron also made his pitch for a franchise quarterback. We'll get to all of that in a bit. Also on the show, I'll discuss a wild Capitals game on Wednesday night, a 5-3 loss to the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena. No Alex Ovechkin as Ovi now has COVID-19 uh, and is out 
of this Saturday's NHL All-Star Game, although he has been replaced by another cap, Tom Wilson, so good news there. Uh, Also, a terrible night for Ilya Samsonov. Uh, We finally, believe it or not, have a Wizards win to talk about. Yes, I know, the Wizards finally won a game, their season-worst six-game losing streak over thanks to a 106-103 win at the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. Is Virginia Tech now on the rise? The Hokies got themselves a second consecutive victory on Wednesday night and proved a 4-7 in the ACC with an 81-66 win over Georgia Tech at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg. Another good offensive game for Tech. We'll talk Hokies later in the show. Oh, by the way, in addition to a new name for the team now known as the Commanders on Wednesday, we also had stadium news on Wednesday. Uh, We had stadium news on 2.2.22. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser put out a statement off the announcement of Commanders. The statement read as follows, quote, Washington's football franchise has had a storied history, and we are excited that today they will begin a new necessary chapter as the Washington Commanders. Boy, she had to get in that word necessary, now did she? Uh, Continued the mayor. Sports mean so much to our civic pride and are an essential part of our economic engine, creating jobs and opportunities for our residents and revenue to fund essential services. But for our football team, every major sports franchise in the region calls D.C. home. The next chapter for the Washington Commanders should be a return to winning right here in D.C., end quote. So Mayor Bowser was putting forth Washington, D.C. as the potential home for the Commander's next stadium. Now, if you caught my recent conversation with Commander's insider, Michael Phillips of Richmond.com on the podcast, Michael made it very clear that Virginia has emerged as the leader in the race for which jurisdiction gets the next stadium, right? If we're talking Virginia versus Washington, D.C. versus Maryland, as things stand right now, it's Virginia in the lead, Maryland in second place, and Washington, D.C. in third place, at least as how Michael views things. You definitely need to check out that conversation if you haven't heard it. Uh, Episode 238 of the podcast. Well, speaking of our pal Michael Phillips, uh, he had some news to report on Wednesday. He spoke with team president Jason Wright, said Jason to Michael, quote, we will be in a new venue in 2027. End quote. Uh, That's significant. 2027 is when the lease for FedEx Field expires. Because the stadium search has taken so long, there's definitely been talk of, gee, maybe the team is going to have to stay at FedEx Field beyond the expiration of that lease in 2027. I mean, the long-term future, we hope, isn't at FedEx Field, but maybe there needs to be an extension signed at some point just because this whole stadium process is taking forever. Well, at least according to Jason Wright, no, the commanders will be in a new venue in 2027. So let's just think about this logically. If the team is going to be playing in a new stadium in 2027, that would almost certainly mean that within the next year, right, the team has to reach a deal on a new stadium. Like, you got to get to work on this thing. You got to start building this thing. So perhaps we are on the verge of finding out finally where the commander's next stadium will be. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to become a sponsor 
of the Al Galdi podcast. If you would like to reach thousands of people every day to grow your business or practice, if you would like to put the power of the pod to work for you, have at it. Let us know. You can email us the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com podcast advertising. Very affordable. Very much gives you a bang for your buck. Uh, so much feedback on the name Commanders and the reveal of the name Commanders and the rollout of the name Commanders. Here we go. Email from Stanley Evans. I completely agree with your tweet, Goldie, that the rollout of the new name was just awful. It lacked hype and enthusiasm and lighting and effects. An elementary school talent show would have had a better opening than that. First off, Dan Snyder is so awkward when he speaks. I see why he's not up there very long. Tanya Snyder was calling for Joe Theismann and didn't realize he was already up there. The jersey reveal was clumsy, and it probably would have been better if players were wearing jerseys instead of mannequins that Dan seemed to get lost behind. I think the name will grow on me, but I've lost complete faith in the event coordinator, whoever that is, that things will improve in the future. Uh, Thank you for that email, Stanley. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, right, the event coordinator ultimately is the team president, Jason Wright. Um, there's not a ton of criticism for Jason Wright. Uh, people don't seem to want to criticize Jason Wright. It's like the anti-Bruce Allen in that regard. I like a lot of things about Jason Wright, but I do think that he has uh, deserved some criticism here during his time with the Commanders, and I'm going to give Jason some criticism coming up. Next segment, uh, email from Yuval. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I uh, have been a big fan since the morning blitz and listen to the podcast every day. Well, thank you for that. Continues, Yuval. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on the new name and logo. Personally, I was never a big fan of Commanders, and the jerseys didn't do anything to change my mind. The white jerseys look like a Division Three college football team jersey. However, once I saw the jacket that the alumni came out in with the patch on the back, I slowly started coming around. The Commanders embodies DC. The jerseys and logo have retro feels to them, and it seems that the team has kept a part of the W logo that the team had for the Washington football team. Pretty smart marketing move because we've already gotten somewhat used to the football team logos. Anyway, curious to hear what you think of the whole grand reveal on and you've all writes the following in all caps, 2.2.22. Thank you for that, you've all. You will hear my thoughts shortly. Uh, email from Mike P. Uh, Mike P sent me a bunch of his observations from the reveal. Here are a few. 20 people showed up to the store. Super Bowl years on the patch are wrong. Something you talked about recently dealing with Super Bowl years. No mascot or fight song decision, even though the team had almost two years to decide on those things. No misdirection, just direction. I will forever be a fan of this team, no matter the name, mascot, fight song, or jersey. Uh, Thank you for that email, Mike P. I'm totally with you on those things, especially that last point. At the end of the day, and I talked about this on Wednesday's show, episode 242, what was a final goodbye to the name Redskins. I will never not be a fan of this team. No matter the name, no matter the owner, no matter the team president, no matter the general manager, no matter the head coach, no matter the players, the team has got me and the team will never not have me. Email from Michael King, writes Michael, I hate the name Al, but I would hate anything that isn't Redskins. Uh, Yeah, I hear you, Mike. Uh, There are a lot of people who feel the way that you do. Email from Peter in Springfield, Virginia. My feeling on the name reveal is sadness. 
It's not the name. Actually, I submitted Commanders during the name input period. My sadness is about the lack of energy. No presence, no show. Is this a brand reveal or a neighborhood cookie sale? Are they even trying? Just think how Jerry Jones would do a name reveal. An event, live music, the hype, the reveal. I'm just sad. Now I know that the Sean Taylor debacle was not an accident. The team probably was planning the Jersey retirement for years and everything went as planned. Sad. Jason Wright and his team are disappointments. Peter, I will hold my fire for the moment, but uh, you and I are on the same page. I'll just leave it at that. You know, Jason Wright totally should have consulted with ImageWorks before the big reveal of Commanders. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company, and ImageWorks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You see, Jason and Dan and Tanya, ImageWorks can help you grow your business, can help you improve your customer experience, can help you impress clients with the story that your business tells digitally. Trust me, the commanders need all of the help that the team can get with those things. So here's a special offer, and this includes uh, for you, Jason, Dan, and Tanya. ImageWorks will conduct a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. ImageWorks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via ImageWorks customers portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. ImageWorks is more than a branding and marketing firm. ImageWorks is your collaborative partner, your one-stop shop for business growth. So here's what you do. Go to imageworkscreative.com and click on contact Near the upper right corner, that's image, one word, works, plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. You can also call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Look, Jason, Dan, Tanya, Scott's waiting on your calls and texts. He's a big Commanders fan, by the way. Uh, Scott has been doing what he is doing since 1996. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All right, so the professional football team that was originally known as the Boston Braves, then was known as the Boston Redskins, then was known as the Washington Redskins, and then was known as the Washington football team. That team on Wednesday morning, February 2nd, 2022, what the team branded as 2.2.22, announced a new team name. That new team name, the Washington Commanders. What many of us had anticipated, what some of us weeks ago said we felt like would be the name, uh, that name did, in fact, end up being the name Commanders. The name isn't Admirals. The name isn't Red Hogs. The name isn't Red Wolves. The name isn't Warriors. The name isn't Beacons, Belters, Wayfarers. Washington FC, FC Washington, FC DC, DC FC, DC FUCK, or any other name that came up during the name saga. No, the name is 
Commanders. Uh, I will say this. The name Commanders, to me, isn't bad. I don't hate the name Commanders. Perhaps I'm in the minority on that. I know that we're all supposed to hate everything. I know that everyone hates everything these days. I don't hate the name Commanders. And honestly, in a rebrand situation, not hating the new name is the bar. Because as time goes on, you're more likely to like the new name. I mean, the quality of a name is totally subjective. But to me, Commanders isn't a bad name. Uh, I've seen some people say that Commander sounds like an expansion team name or a USFL team name. And if you feel that way, fine. But my guess is that you're only saying that because Commanders is a name that's new to the NFL. Like, how and why exactly is Lions a better name than Commanders? How and why exactly is Eagles a better name than Commanders? How and why exactly is Jaguars a better name than Commanders? And yet we accept those other names because we're used to those other names. If you don't like Commanders as a name, fine. I mean, more power to you. But I bet that you'll like Commanders as a name more and more as time goes on, especially if the team does well. And that, of course, is the key to all of this, the team doing well. Uh, Commanders, to me, as a name, has strength. Commanders has ties to the military. I like that. That makes sense to me. Uh, That feels right to me for a team that, in theory anyway, is based in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., the capital city of the United States of America, includes the Pentagon. Uh, My only problem with Commanders as a name is something that I've talked about many times, the lack of an obvious one-syllable nickname. Uh, I, during the whole name change process, talked about the need for the new name to have a one-syllable nickname for quick and easy reference, like Nats for Nationals, Caps for Capitals, Wiz for Wizards, Terps for Terrapins, and Skins for Redskins. Uh, I was on this need for a one-syllable nickname a long time ago, but there is no obvious one-syllable nickname for commanders. That's a problem, you know? Uh, Comms is awkward. Okay, at least right now. Maybe at some point we all get used to saying comms for commanders, but for now, saying comms feels awkward. Uh, Durs is even more awkward, and Durs sounds like a joke. Uh, Seas, that doesn't seem right. Seas seems random. Uh, I've seen and heard the joke about commies many times, okay? I've seen that joke like about a million times by now. If we're being technical, commies is two syllables, not one. So commies wouldn't work, even if it could work, which it can't. We're not going to call the commanders the commies, okay? So my biggest problem with commanders as a name is the lack of the obvious one-syllable nickname. I'm not sure whether we'll ever have a fix for that. We'll see. Now, something else that I had said during the whole name change saga was that the actual reveal of the name and the actual rollout of the name were going to perhaps be more interesting than what the name actually was. I mean, nobody was shocked when Commanders was announced on Wednesday morning, but it was how Commanders was announced on Wednesday morning that really stood out, at least to me. Uh, I thought that the actual announcement of the name was a dud. Off all of this hype for February 2nd, 
2022. Off all of the hype for 2.2.22, we got what we got on Wednesday morning. The actual announcement of the name Commanders lacked energy, lacked pizzazz. So the team tweeted out an announcement of the new name at 8.11 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Uh, That actually was the official announcement of the new name. The team tweet came out before the reveal on NBC's The Today Show. But as for that reveal on The Today Show, so NBC News anchor Craig Melvin hosted the festivities. Uh, The Today Show obviously is based in New York City, but Craig was at FedEx Field. Craig is a fan of the team. Craig, in fact, is a part of team president Jason Wright's fan ambassador network. Uh, Craig was seated on the field at FedEx Field with three people, Jason Wright, Doug Williams, whose position with the team these days is a senior advisor to Jason Wright, and a player, our Pro Bowl interior defensive lineman, Jonathan Allen. Now, it was ridiculously cold in the Washington, D.C. area on Wednesday morning. So I get why you did have some awkwardness with all of this. Uh, You did have some stumbling, okay? Craig's delivery wasn't the smoothest. Uh, I also get why you had some, like, strange looks on people's faces, okay? Especially Jason's, okay? Poor Jason. Jason looked like he was freezing on Wednesday morning. Jason looked like he had hyperthermia. I was like, give that guy a blanket. Give that guy a quilt or something. Can you get him a commander's quilt while we're making this announcement here? Jason Wright looked so uncomfortable while he was sitting out there with the guys. But the worst part of this was the actual moment of the announcement. Craig Melvin tossed to Jason Wright. Jason then tossed to Doug. And Doug, as he put his right hand on Jonathan Allen's back, said, quote, we are the commanders, end quote. And that was it. No pomp and circumstance, no pyro, no marching band music, no fans, no nothing. Just four guys sitting in an empty FedEx field on a frigid morning. Here's how all of this sounded on NBC. Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington Commanders. That's right. Uh, oh wow! You didn't waste any time there. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Now look. Yes, we do still have the COVID-19 pandemic going on. And so perhaps that's why the actual announcement of the name Commanders was done outside on a frigid morning in the Washington, D.C. area. Although I still don't think that the COVID-19 pandemic was a good enough reason to do this announcement outside, given how cold it was. You totally could have done the actual name announcement somewhere that wasn't outside, certainly somewhere that wasn't as dead as an empty FedEx field on a Wednesday morning in early February. Zero fans were present for that on-camera moment of the announcement. And yes, you know, so many fans aren't happy about the name change, so trying to make the actual announcement in front of fans would have been risky. To say nothing of the chance, if not likelihood, that few fans would have shown up. But more was needed for that moment of the actual announcement of the new name than we ended up getting. 
that actual announcement of the name Commanders on the Today Show was about as blah as something like that can be. Then came the post-announcement festivities on a stage at FedEx Field. Now, this was a little better, as at least you had some people in attendance, including former players, so there was a little bit of, like, life to the whole thing. Uh, Julie Donaldson hosted as Dan Snyder, Tanya Snyder, Jonathan Allen, Joe Theismann, and Jason Wright all spoke, and, you know, they were fine to varying degrees, but there still was a lack of juice to the entire presentation, a lack of energy for the entire ordeal. Again, the fact that it was so cold outside didn't help. I get that. But the overall vibe, to me, felt underwhelming. Heck, the stage felt underwhelming. I mean, maybe it's just me, but the production value for this entire thing felt cheap. The commanders in August 2021 were estimated by Forbes to be worth $4.2 billion. You couldn't have done better than that presentation that we all saw on the Today Show on Wednesday morning. The franchise for Forbes is worth $4.2 billion. And that was the best that you could do? I mean, sports is entertainment. Things in entertainment are only as big as the people doing those things make those things be. The team on July 13th, 2020 had announced that it was retiring the Redskins name and logo. The team didn't announce the name Commanders until February 2nd, 2022. You had from July 13th, 2020 to February 2nd, 2022, nearly 19 months to come up with a grand and glorious plan for the announcement for the new name. And this was the best that the team could do? Especially given that a decent chunk of all this happened on the Today Show, a national show? The name Commanders to me isn't bad, but the announcement of the name was bad. And so too, ultimately, was the rollout of the name. Now, before I get to that, let me say a few things. I do get that this whole name change was hard. I do. Dan Snyder never wanted to change the name from Redskins. It remains debatable whether the team should have ever had to change the name from Redskins. Uh, Jason Wright got thrown into all of this, right? He got thrown into this name change saga when he got hired as team president in August 2020, just one month after the team had retired the name Redskins. And I do think that Jason tried hard with the name change. I do think that Jason put a lot of time and work into the name change. I do think that Jason engaged a lot of fans and former players during the name change process. I do think that Jason Wright uh, gave it his all here. Like, I don't think that Jason Wright just winked it in this name change saga. However, when you combine that very underwhelming nature of the actual announcement of the name Commanders with what was ultimately a flawed rollout of the name Commanders, it's not at all unreasonable to be critical of Jason Wright and, of course, to be critical of Dan Snyder because ultimately everything falls on Dan. He's the owner. The name Commanders ended up being known as the name well before the name was announced. Dan Snyder actually had a good line during his time speaking at the podium on the stage at FedEx Field on Wednesday morning. Here you go. Welcome to uh, not 
the best kept secret in D.C. Okay. Yeah, how about that from Dan Snyder? How about that from Daddy Boy? Quote, welcome to not the best kept secret in D.C. End quote. And Dan then made a gesture with his head as if to say, can you believe this? That was good. <laughs> that was funny. Good for Danny for showing some personality and a sense of humor. There was no happy Thanksgiving moment for Dan on Wednesday. That's a good thing. That's a win for Danny. But the truth is, the idea of the new name being kept a big secret ended up being a big joke. And this idea of misdirection, which Jason Wright had talked about in an appearance on the Pat McAfee show last August, uh, that ended up being a punchline. First of all, the misdirection. Uh, the misdirection ended up being a big miss. Uh, we had that very poorly received video that the team put out last August 16th. This was episode three of the team's YouTube series, Making the Brand. Uh, Jason Wright in that video was shown discussing potential new names and logos with Rod Rivera and Martin Mayhew in a sit-down meeting. Toward the end of the video, which is only about three minutes long, Jason said to Ron and Martin, quote, so the three that will go through are, end quote, and then the actual names that Jason said were bleeped out. And also toward the end of the video were Ron and Jason complimenting a name or multiple names. Well, this teasing of three finalists for the new name uh, antagonized and annoyed fans far more than the teasing intrigued fans. Also in the video were a number of potential team names that came up at various points. Well, people took that to mean that all of those potential team names were finalists for the new name. Front Office Sports tweeted that the team was down to a final list of eight name candidates. That turned out to not be true. Jason Wright corrected this in a tweet on August 19th, confirming that the team was down to and working through three final candidates for the permanent name of the team. But we then got the mess that was Tanya Snyder in an appearance on the Adam Schefter podcast, in an installment of that podcast that dropped last September 7th, when asked by Schefter whether those eight names, quote, are the candidates, end quote, Tanya said, quote, that's right. Has that been said? End quote. The team that night had to clarify to reporters that the final three candidates for the permanent name for the team came from a list of names that included more than just the eight names featured in episode three of Making the Brand. Got that? Of course not. Confused? Yes. More recently, we had the leaks that the name would be Commanders. And, you know, I do think that this idea of the new name being a big surprise is a bit overrated. Like, so what if the new name came out before the actual formal announcement of the new name? Like, what ultimately is the value truly in deceiving the fan base, in hiding something from the fan base? But if you are trying to make the announcement of the name and the rollout of the name as big as possible, then having what the name is be a mystery does have value. So I get that. And to whatever extent there is value in that, uh, that value was lost in like the entire world knowing that the name was going to be Commanders. I mean, the truth is the name got leaked like crazy in recent weeks, and a good bit of that was just plain sloppiness. And we're used to sloppiness with the team. So nobody's shocked by this, right? But this talk of the team perhaps having been engaged in an elaborate ruse, you know, this talk of the team perhaps having been engaged in subterfuge, 
I never bought bad. I'm sure that most of you listening never bought bad. The team being guilty of the sloppiness that we've come to know always was far more likely than the team fooling us all with some high-level work was. And so we had what we had over these last few weeks. NBC Sports Washington on January 6th aired the show Washington Football Today. On the show was footage from episode four of the team's YouTube series, Making the Brand on the Name Change. The episode had come out on January 4th and had announced that the team would be announcing its new name on February 2nd. Well, the footage that aired on the NBC Sports Washington show featured something that had been blurred out in the YouTube video, a piece of paper on an armrest portion of a chair on which Jason Wright was sitting. On that paper was what ended up being the commander's patch, and the patch included the word commanders. Sloppiness. Now, maybe this sloppiness was more the fault of NBC Sports Washington than the sloppiness was the fault of the team, but sloppiness nevertheless. Uh, NBC Sports Washington is a major broadcast partner of the team, and that piece of paper was not blurred out on that show, Washington Football Today on NBC Sports Washington, and the photo of that footage went viral, and so everybody saw, hey, Jason Wright had a piece of paper on an armrest portion of a chair on which he was sitting that very clearly had a commander's logo or patch that we were all looking at. Uh, Former Washington quarterback Joe Theismann, a friend of the Al Galdi podcast. He, this past Monday morning, went on with Damon Amendolara on CBS Sports Radio and essentially said that Commanders was going to be the new name. Joe Theismann on Monday morning essentially announced that the name was Commanders. Uh, I talked about this on Tuesday's show, episode 241. Here's some of what Joe said with Damon. Commanders is a is a name that, you know, is going to be a hopefully one that people will talk about going forward. All right, so you you like the Commanders as the new team name, huh? I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. Okay, so Joe Theismann let the cat out of the bag. Uh, I don't know if Joe thought that the name already had been reported as being the new name, or if Joe didn't mean to confirm that Commanders would be the new name, or whatever. But Joe made it pretty clear that Commanders would be the new name. Then came what was truly the death blow to any remaining mystery surrounding what the new name would be. Uh, Chopper Brad of NBC4 in Washington, D.C., at Chopper4Brad on Twitter. He, on Tuesday evening, tweeted out footage from high above FedEx Field that showed commanders on a box or on some sort of apparel through a window at FedEx Field. Now, you might say, hey... What was the team supposed to do about that? Like, how do you guard against someone flying a helicopter above your stadium and shooting footage? Well, you know, there are some things that the team could have done. The team could have made sure that all windows at FedEx Field were covered up. The team could have made sure that all boxes with apparel were covered up, that all apparel was covered up. The team could have had the apparel brought to FedEx Field overnight, you know, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. I mean, think outside the box. Think aggressively. There's always a way. Again, sloppiness. We even had this. Uh, We, in the hour or so leading up to the actual announcement of the name Commanders on Wednesday morning, had a photo on Twitter of Commanders clearly being visible in a store. 
at FedEx Field. Again, sloppiness. The team now known as the Commanders has a history of being sloppy, has a history of not being buttoned up. We all get that, right? Whether you're talking about the debacle that was the retirement of Sean Taylor's number 21 this past October, or the misspelling of London Fletcher's last name, London Fletcher, in a display of London on the video board at FedEx Field during a halftime induction of London into the Ring of Fame in September 2019, or the misspelling of Doug Williams's last name, Doug Williams, in an initial version of a team statement off the claiming of Reuben Foster off waivers in November 2018. Attention to detail has been a problem for this team for years, and not shockingly, attention to detail was a problem in the rollout of the name Commanders. Look, getting the rollout of a new team name right is ultra difficult for even the most responsible and detail oriented of professional franchises. For this team, this was always a steep hill to climb. And look, is it the end of the world that the rollout was flawed? No. Is the name Commanders doomed because the rollout went as it ultimately went? No. But if we're being objective here, and if we're truly saying, okay, did the team get the rollout of the new name right? Did the team get the reveal of the new name right? The answers to those questions are no. The team did not get those things right. Uh, The uniforms. What do we think about the uniforms? So I like the burgundy uniforms. I like the black uniforms. I do not like the white uniforms. White is not right. Uh, The white uniforms look like they have more red numbering and lettering than burgundy numbering and lettering. The colors of the team are burgundy and gold, even though the uniforms get away from burgundy and gold a good bit here. But the colors of the team are not red and gold. The white uniforms look like something that the Atlanta Falcons would wear or that NC State would wear. But the burgundy uniforms to me look good. The black uniforms to me look good. Now, they don't look as good as the best versions of the Redskins uniforms, but whatever. The Redskins uniforms no longer are options. And then there is the patch. Let's talk about the patch. The commander's patch. The one that it turns out was revealed in that video of Jason Wright sitting in the chair. So I do like a lot about the patch. Uh, The design is cool. The patch is busy, but patches are supposed to be busy. You don't want a logo to be busy. The commander's logo isn't busy. The commander's logo is a W. Uh, That's not busy. But the patch being busy is fine. But the patch does have a problem. And the problem to me is a big problem. The patch lists the five years of the franchise's NFL titles slash Super Bowl titles as being 1937, 1942, 1983, 1988, and 1992. The Washington Redskins won NFL championship games in December 1937 and December 1942. Having 1937 and 1942 on the patch makes sense because you won NFL championships for the 1937 and 1942 seasons. 
But the Washington Redskins won Super Bowls for the 1982, 1987, and 1991 seasons. And yet, the patch includes the years 1983, 1988, and 1992. Now, obviously, those years on the patch are there because those are the years in which the Super Bowls that the Skins won took place. But nobody, and I mean nobody, considers the Skins' Super Bowl winning teams or seasons to be 1983, 1988, and 1992. The Skins' Super Bowl winning teams and seasons are 1982, 1987, and 1991. Every true Skins fan knows that. 82, 87, 91. I get what the idea was with the patch, but the patch 100% should have 1937, 1942, 1982, 1987, and 1991 as the five years of the franchise's NFL titles slash Super Bowl titles. And this is something that the team does need to fix. It's awkward in the NFL with labeling seasons and postseasons because regular seasons happen in one year and then postseasons happen in the next year. But the way that it's always worked is that you refer to the team and the overall season as that first year. So we right now are in the midst of the NFL postseason for the 2021 season. Now, these are the 2022 NFL playoffs, but they are for the 2021 season. We just celebrated the 30-year anniversary of the 1991 Redskins, not the 1992 Redskins. I mean, think about it. When you refer to an all-time great team, which year do you refer to, right? Like, one of the greatest defenses in NFL history was that of the 1985 Chicago Bears, not the defense of the 1986 Chicago Bears. Fix the patch, okay? This is wrong. Correct those last three years. Again, sloppiness. Let's get this right. Well, I mentioned the 1985 Chicago Bears. A linebacker on the 1985 Bears was Ron Rivera. Uh, He also, of course, is a cancer survivor. The cancer that Ron had was a form of skin cancer called squamous cell carcinoma. Skin cancer is among the most common of all cancers in the United States. If you have concerns about your skin, if you are dealing with skin cancer, if you have had skin cancer and haven't seen a doctor in a while, always know that Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big fan of the team, now known as the Commanders, and he's a big listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. In fact, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. Among those treatments is superficial radiation therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is safe, effective, and non-surgical. Having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects, cosmetic and otherwise, that come with surgery. You have options. SRT is an option 
And Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer the option of SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401, or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. While Ron Rivera spoke for quite a while on Wednesday, he addressed why he wasn't at FedEx Field on Wednesday for the name reveal and also why he isn't at the Senior Bowl this week. And Ron, again, talked up a commander's pursuit of a franchise quarterback this offseason. How would Russell Wilson look in a commander's uniform as long as the uni was the all-burgundy one or the all-black one? Quite nice. Uh, you'll hear from Ron as well as my thoughts on what Ron had to say after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hashtag for the team now known as the Commanders is Take Command. Uh, if you would, take command and subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, that is, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, uh, subscribing costs you nothing. Make sure that you never miss an episode. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the podcast a five-star rating if you haven't yet done that. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, uh, please write a brief one or two sentence review saying how much that you like the podcast if you haven't yet done that. Uh, the ratings and reviews help to make the podcast successful. Advertisers look at the ratings and the reviews. And thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. So this week is a big week for our commanders. Uh, Wednesday was the announcement of the new name, which is, yes, commanders. Uh, Thursday <laughs> will feature a roundtable with multiple former commanders employees before Congress uh, detailing their experiences of workplace misconduct while working for Washington. And Saturday is the Senior Bowl. Yeah, that's this week. The Senior Bowl will take place this Saturday afternoon in Mobile, Alabama. But more significant than the actual Senior Bowl is Senior Bowl Week, which is this week. Uh, NFL executives and coaches are in 
Mobile, Alabama for Senior Bowl practices and interactions with players, many of whom are doing press conferences. Uh, This year's Senior Bowl, particularly notable for our commanders because the Senior Bowl features a number of the top quarterbacks who will be available in the 2022 NFL Draft. And as you may have heard, uh, the commanders are in the market for a quarterback. Uh, Among the quarterbacks on this year's Senior Bowl rosters are Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Sam Howell, and Malik Willis. Uh, But not partaking in this Senior Bowl week is Ron Rivera. Uh, Despite him being, right, not just the head coach of the Commanders, uh, but him being in charge of football operations for the Commanders, him being the head coach in the coach-centric approach, him being Don Ron, as we like to say on this podcast. And the reason that Ron isn't attending Senior Bowl week isn't the name reveal, because Ron didn't attend that either, not in person anyway. Uh, Instead, Ron is out in California. Uh, He's visiting his parents. His dad just celebrated his 86th birthday. Happy birthday to Papa Ron. Happy birthday to Papa Don Ron. Uh, I do find it funny, though, (laughs) that this week, of all weeks, Ron Rivera is on vacation. The week of the reveal of the new name for the team for which he runs football operations and the week of a senior bowl featuring a number of the top quarterbacks set to be available in an NFL draft in a year in which Ron's team is starving to upgrade at quarterback. You know, it's like Ron said, eh, the heck with all of this. I'm out of here. You know, I just find that funny. But just because Ron is out in Cali doesn't mean that Ron isn't working. And we actually heard from Ron on Wednesday. Uh, We heard from Ron on Name Reveal Day on 2.2.22. Ron appeared on CBS Mornings, which includes someone who Ron knows and likes, Gail King. And Ron then did a Zoom press conference, and he spoke at that Zoom presser for a while. Ron's Zoom presser lasted for more than 28 minutes. Uh, Here was Ron during that presser on Wednesday afternoon on whether he wishes that he would have been present at FedEx Field for the announcement of the name Commanders. No, I would have liked to have been there, but, you know, um, we, we celebrated my dad's 86th birthday. And uh, that was really a cool deal for me out, out here, um, getting a chance to see mom and dad and uh, hanging out with my brothers. Um, it, it's kind of a neat thing. Um, it, it really is so. But I do miss... Uh, I feel bad about having missed the opportunity to being there. Uh, we did, Stephanie and I did get up at four o'clock this morning to, 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 to tune in. Uh, we were live streaming. Um, and then I did obviously did the piece with, um, with, um, with Gail King and, and, and the rest of the CBS crew, uh, who I really appreciated. <clears throat> but I, I would have loved to have been there. I really would have just, just because of the opportunity to, to, to help announce the name. Uh, I do appreciate the part that I did have. But, um, you know, I would have liked to have been there. I really would have, and I do mean that sincerely. All right. I am not at all mad at Ron Rivera for not being at FedEx Field on Wednesday for the announcement of the new name. Uh, He was probably better off not being at FedEx Field on Wednesday for the announcement of the new name. I do wish that Ron was at the Senior Bowl. Like, of all of the years for him to not be at the Senior Bowl, this is a bad year for him to not be at the Senior Bowl. But... I do recognize two things. Number one, we don't know the situation with Ron's parents. He mentioned celebrating his dad's 86th birthday. You never know how many more birthdays he'll have to celebrate with a parent when he or she is 86. So I'm not going to kill Ron for choosing his parents over the Senior Bowl. Number two, the commanders uh, do have representation 
at the Senior Bowl. It's not like the team has taken a pass on the Senior Bowl, okay? The team has not punted on attending the Senior Bowl. Uh, The general manager, Martin Mayhew, is there. The executive vice president of football slash player personnel, Marty Herney, is there. This was Ron on Wednesday afternoon on how Martin and Marty are doing in taking in the quarterbacks in Mobile, Alabama this week. They're doing well. Um, they're, 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 um, I talked to Martin and Marty the last couple of days. Um, you know, they're getting all their interviews done. Um, they've had an opportunity to watch the quarterbacks. Uh, they've watched quarterbacks at the East-West Shrine game. They've watched quarterbacks at the, uh, the NFL PA game. Uh, and and uh, they continue to do those things. And, and, you know, once we start getting ready, uh, we get back, uh, we will get right into it. Uh, we'll have meetings with uh, with the uh, scouting department, personnel department, as we prepare to go to the combine. Uh, real excited about getting to the combine because of the opportunity to bring these guys into your rooms and meet with them individually, uh, meet with them privately, and, and really get a chance to, to dive into who they are. So this is going to be an interesting process for us as we go forward. Um, you know, as I said, we're looking at every avenue. There's a lot of things that we're, we're still discussing and talking about as far as that position is concerned, primarily. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we, 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 like I said, we understand winning is important. And we also understand that there's certain things we got to do to give ourselves the best chance. And you heard Rod Rivera there emphasize the significance of the combine, uh, the NFL scouting combine. Ron will be at that, and he needs to be at that. Uh, the combine will take place March 1st through the 7th at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. As for the search for a franchise quarterback, and that, of course, is what the Senior Bowl and the Scouting Combine and just about everything else for the Commanders will be about uh, this offseason. The bulk of Ron's Zoom presser on Wednesday afternoon was about the new name and actually also about the Brian Flores lawsuit, but this was Ron on Wednesday afternoon on if the announcement of the new name can potentially make the Commanders even more appealing to a quarterback in terms of him potentially joining the commanders? I, I really do. I, I think, you know, the rebrand is, is, is something that's, uh, that's kind of unique. Uh, to me, it's an opportunity to, to work on and grow on our legacy um, because it, it, it is a clean slate as the commanders. Um, and I think it's an opportunity to be part of something that, that I think is going to be unique and special. Um, I, I love where we are. I love where we're located. I love the, the, the community that we play for. I love the division that we're in because I think it's a very good football division. It's, it's also a division that uh, has a lot of the top TV markets. Um, I'm making my pitch, if you notice, Michael. Um, there's, you know, uh, I, I like our team. I like where we are. Uh, you know, we got the number six ranked offensive line, so we have a chance to protect the guy. We've got a thousand yard rusher. We have a thousand yard receiver. I mean, I'll go. I can go down the list. But I do think, Michael, that this is a this is something that we most certainly can can use as we start going through the uh, the whole thing, and uh, we'll see what happens. So that answer right there, an open and obvious uh, recruiting pitch by Ron Rivera, and he admitted that. Uh, but that a hundred percent was Ron speaking to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Derek Carr and whoever else. I mean, that right there really was tampering without actually tampering by Ron Rivera. I'll tell you what else that was. Uh, That was practically verbatim what was in that piece by NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB that came out this past Monday evening. I talked about that piece on Tuesday's show, episode 241. That piece read like a press release 
from the team in terms of how favorable the piece was in laying out why a big-name quarterback would want to join the Commanders. Uh, The headline of the piece was, the Washington football team has plenty to pitch to a veteran quarterback. The piece included this, quote, the Washington football team is preparing to take a big swing at a quarterback this offseason per team sources, end quote. And I, on Tuesday's show, said that Rod Rivera clearly was the source for this piece, or at the very least, someone close to Ron was the source for this piece. And I'm even more convinced of that now, because what Ron said on Wednesday afternoon, and has said before, echoed what was in uh, that press release by Albert Breer. Read the piece, quote, As to the effort to find its next franchise quarterback, with big names like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson potentially out there, Washington feels like it has plenty to pitch such a veteran. While Brandon Sheriff's free agency looms, parentheses, it'll be open-minded approaching a new contract, WFT had the NFL's sixth-ranked offensive line per PFF last year, and its depth was proven through significant absences that led to the coaches going to their fourth center, fourth tackle, and fourth and fifth guards. Washington also has a 1,000-yard receiver, parentheses, Terry McLaurin, a 1,000-yard rusher, parentheses, Antonio Gibson, and other weapons on the offensive side of the ball, like Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel returning from injury. And the defense has a good foundation in its still young defensive line, particularly with Chase Young coming back from ACL surgery. Then there's the intangible factors. Getting to live in the D.C. area and being on the front end of a team rebrand that'll be unveiled Wednesday. And the fact that the cap flexibility would give a quarterback a shot to bring a piece or two with him. So if you put all that together, there's reason to pay attention to Washington as the football team, again, throws its hat in the ring. There's no guarantee, of course, that Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and Marty Herney reel in their big fish in March or April, and the failed pursuit of Stafford is proof, but if they don't land one, it sure won't be because their line isn't in the water, end quote. So what I just read to you right there from that piece from Albert Breer, that read almost like a transcript of what Ron Rivera said on Wednesday and has said before. Ron is telling anyone who will listen that the commanders are all in this offseason on getting a franchise quarterback, that the commanders are taking command of trying to get a franchise quarterback this offseason. And this campaign from Ron very much continued on Wednesday. Well, the Capitals on Wednesday night played their last game for a while, and the game felt like three different games. Uh, This was the second game of a back-to-back, and this, unfortunately, was a loss. So the Caps fell to 25-13-9 with a 5-3 loss to the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena. So the Caps remain at 59 points on the season. Caps are fourth in the Metropolitan Division, and the Caps now won't play again until this Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday night's game was the Caps' final game until the NHL All-Star break. The NHL All-Star game will be this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern in Las Vegas. The Caps' next game, not until this Tuesday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena 
at seven. Lots of stuff to get to here with the Caps. First of all, no Alex Ovechkin for this game and no Alex Ovechkin for this Saturday's NHL All-Star game. Uh, We on Wednesday got the news that Ovechkin had entered the NHL's COVID-19 protocol and that this was based on a positive test result. So Ovechkin is out for the NHL All-Star game. Uh, That's really unfortunate. I mean, not that we haven't seen Ovechkin in an NHL All-Star game a bunch of times, and not that Ovechkin necessarily loves playing in NHL All-Star games, but Ovechkin's having a great season. I mean, he's having a Hart Trophy caliber season, and uh, he will not be on display on Saturday uh, in Las Vegas. The good news is that replacing Ovechkin as an NHL All-Star is another capital, Tom Wilson. Uh, Very cool to see Tom Wilson get the All-Star nod. This is, in fact, Tom Wilson's first career All-Star game selection. But no Ovechkin for the NHL All-Star game. No Ovechkin for the Capitals in this game against the Oilers at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. Now, the Caps also were without a bunch of other key players. Goaltender Vitek Vanacek was unavailable due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the Caps' previous game, that 4-3 overtime win at the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night. Forward TJ Oshie did not play for a ninth consecutive game due to an upper body injury that he suffered in a 2-0 win at the New York Islanders on January 15th. And Ford Anthony Mantha remains out indefinitely due to shoulder surgery that he underwent on November 5th. Now, with Vanacek being out, as you may recall, he got hurt early in that overtime win at the Penguins on Tuesday night. Vanacek got hurt in the first period, replacing him in that game was Ilya Samsonov, who ended up being terrific. Uh, Samsonov in the overtime win at the Penguins on Tuesday night stopped 43 of the 45 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Samsonov did end up being the cap starting goaltender on Wednesday night. We wondered about that because it's not common that you see a goaltender start on back-to-back nights, especially when on that initial night, the goaltender had a heavy workload, as Samsonov did, and having to make 43 saves in the overtime win at the Penguins. But this was the Caps' last game until this Tuesday night. Well, Samsonov was the starting goaltender on Wednesday night, and he won good. Uh, Samsonov stopped just one of the four shots on goal that he faced. He got pulled in the first period after just five minutes, seven seconds of game time having elapsed. And because Vitek Vanacek was out, the guy for whom Ilya Samsonov was pulled was Phoenix Copley. Phoenix Copley earlier in the day had been recalled from the Caps taxi squad. Now, the Caps have had Phoenix Copley in the organization, as they say in hockey, for years. But Phoenix Copley had actually not appeared in an NHL regular season game since April 6th, 2019. I didn't realize that, that it had been that long since Phoenix Copley had appeared in an NHL regular season game. But that's the truth. Phoenix Copley had not played in an NHL regular season game in nearly three years. He gets called into this game on Wednesday night. And he actually did a nice job. Phoenix Copley stopped 21 of the 22 shots on goal that he faced. Now, he wasn't tested a ton. Uh, Copley, per natural stat trick, faced just two high-danger shots on goal. He stopped one of them. Uh, The Caps in the game, per natural stat trick, had nine high-danger five-on-five shot attempts to the Oilers' three. But still, Phoenix Copley coming off the bench, stopping 21 of the 22 shots on goal that he faced. And the Caps did rally on Wednesday night. So they were down 3-0 relatively early in the first period. Caps actually overcame that 3-0 first period deficit, scored three consecutive goals capped by an Evgeny Kuznetsov even strength goal, 248 into the third period. 
but the Caps then allowed the game's final two goals, both of which were by Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and the first of those two goals was a killer goal. The first of those two goals was a shorthanded goal. A crazy game for the Caps on Wednesday night. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night. I mean, it was it was it was tough. Um, you know, certainly not the way you want to start the game. And you know, you look up and you're quickly in a in a game. You're down three, and so it's from there. It's a it's a it's a real high mountain to get back. And um, you know, I think it just it it lets the air out too on the bench in the building, and you're you know. And so it makes it a little bit difficult. I got to give our guys a lot of credit for fighting and really controlling the game. Probably from we got into the game, once we got a little bit of life back, I thought from the eight minute mark of the first period, and then I thought we controlled it five on five from there. But it's um, you know it's frustrating to get back in there and then and then not have it get completed. Yeah, I mentioned Evgeny Kuznetsov's game-tying even-strand goal in the third period. Kuznetsov, who himself is an NHL All-Star for this season, uh, he now has 17 points over his last 18 games, six goals and 11 assists over his last 18 games. This probably hasn't gotten talked about enough, but the enigmatic Evgeny Kuznetsov is, in fact, having a really good season. So definitely want to acknowledge that. But the Caps now have suffered a regulation loss in seven of the team's last 13 games, and the Caps will not play another game until this Tuesday night. Well, 2.2.22 goes down not just as the day on which the Commanders announced their name. 2.2.22 also goes down as the day on which the Wizards snapped their season-worst six-game losing streak. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, Stephen A. The Wizards losing streak finally, mercifully, is over. The Wizards improved to 24 and 27 with a 106-103 win at the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. Uh, Now, if you're a hardcore Wizards fan, you may already know this, but the Wizards' last win had been a victory over... Yes, the 76ers, that 117-98 win over the 76ers at Capital One Arena on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which was January 17th. Uh, That was a while ago. That was more than two weeks ago. And yet, that had been the last time that the Wizards had won a game. And the Wizards won at the 76ers on Wednesday night, despite being without two key players, no Bradley Beal, and no Thomas Bryant. Uh, Beal did not play for a second consecutive game due to an injured left wrist. Uh, The Wizards on Tuesday evening announced that Beal would miss at least the next four games, meaning that he is out through the NBA trade deadline on February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And speaking of the NBA trade deadline, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there right now regarding the Wizards and who they might trade and what may end up happening with Bradley Beal, who, of course, can opt out of his contract this summer. How about this from The Athletic DC on Wednesday? Quote, for the first time in a long time, sources close to Beal indicate He's not rejecting, out of hand, the notion of a trade elsewhere, even though his preference is to remain with the Wizards, end quote. Uh, No kidding, his preference is to remain with the Wizards. He can opt out of his contract this summer and then be re-signed to a Supermax contract, a five-year, $241 
million dollar deal. Uh, I remain completely uninterested as a Wizards fan in giving Bradley Beal a five-year, $241 million Supermax contract. And I say that as someone who likes Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal's a good player, but I don't think that he's a superstar. And especially with the Wizards having just gotten out of two onerous Supermax contracts over the last few years in John Walls and Russell Westbrooks, I'm not super pumped about giving another guy a Supermax contract, especially when you consider that the guy is a good player, but he's not a superstar player. Bradley Beal is not an elite player, and he's not having his best season this season. And of course, what exactly has he ever led the Wizards to? The Wizards haven't been past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. Okay, like, what are we doing here giving out Supermax contracts to people who haven't taken the Wizards anywhere? But anyway, uh, Bradley Beal out, at least for now, with this left wrist injury. And Thomas Bryant did not play on Wednesday night. He was out due to a sprained right ankle that he suffered in the Wizards' last game, the 112-98 loss at the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday night. As for this game, this win at the 76ers on Wednesday night. So the Wizards did blow a 12-point second quarter lead, but the Wiz came through in a fourth quarter that they won, 25-24. And the Wizards largely won with defense. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, a huge defensive play late in the game. Kuzma with less than 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and the Wizards nursing a 102-100 lead blocked a Joel Embiid driving layup attempt and then got the rebound. Uh, Kuzma, another good game for him. 4-6 on threes, 6-13 on twos. He finished with 24 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists versus 1 turnover, and 3 blocks in 35 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter. I mentioned the Wizards winning with defense on Wednesday night. The Wiz did allow the 76ers to go 11-27 on threes, but the Wizards held the 76ers to 30-64 of 64 on twos. And all things considered, the Wizards did do a good job on Joel Embiid. Uh, held him to 0-3 on threes, held him to just 11 of 24 on twos. Now look, Embiid's a great player. He's going to get his numbers. He got his numbers on Wednesday night. He finished with 27 points, 14 rebounds, and six assists versus no turnovers. So it's all relative with Joel Embiid. But the Wizards, I think, ultimately will take what they got out of Embiid because it was a rather inefficient night. Again, 0-3 on threes, and 11 of 24 on twos. Here was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on the Wizards defense on Embiid. You know, sometimes it's just the, you know, the way the ball bounces, but I thought overall we did a terrific job on him. He's uh, extremely talented. He's a, he's a tough guard. So you got to send, you know, multiple bodies to, uh, for him to get off the ball. Um, I know you look at you look at the numbers and he scored 27, but you know over the last five he's averaging close to 40, <laughs> and we, we kind of forced him into some tough some tough twos. Uh, I think held him just about 41 percent from the field. So not going to keep him from catching it, but you know when he when he caught it, we had to you know junk it up at times and, and, and double him. And, but uh, it's very fitting, and I thought it was a pretty decent carryover from. Uh, the bulk of last night, you know, second half of last night, uh, outside of the last probably like five minutes, I thought we were, we were playing well. Uh, but to, to get the payoff tonight, I think, is a, a great reward for our guys. Yes, it is. The Wizards very much needed this win. Uh, the Wizards also rebounded well on Wednesday night. The Wiz out-rebounded the 76ers 52-41, including having 15 offensive rebounds to the 76ers' 10. Uh, the Wiz went 9-22 on threes, did, though, go just 32 of 68 
on Tuesday. Speaking of that, how about the game for Spencer Dinwiddie on Wednesday night? So we've talked about Dinwiddie on this podcast. He is not doing well these days as a wizard. Uh, There very much seem to be internal issues between Dinwiddie and a teammate, <clears throat> Bradley Beal, or Dinwiddie, and multiple Wizards teammates. Who the heck knows? But uh, it's no secret that the Wizards may well be looking to trade Spencer Dinwiddie prior to the NBA trade deadline. But Dinwiddie on Wednesday night had what I will call a Russell Westbrook game, uh, a bad shooting game that included him having a triple-double. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie on Wednesday night had a triple-double. He uh, he gave us the Russell Westbrook specialty. So Dinwiddie did have another bad shooting game. He went one of three on threes and a putrid three of 13 on twos. But Dinwiddie had that triple-double. He finished with 14 points, 12 rebounds, including five offensive boards, and 10 assists versus three turnovers in 29 minutes, 59 seconds as a starter. So I don't know. Is that a good game or a bad game for Spencer Dinwiddie? The way that things had been going for him, I think you take that game as a Wizards fan. Uh, Here was Wes Jr. during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on the performance of Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, you know, I think he he struggled a little bit from the floor early, but he settled in. I love the fact that he just stayed aggressive. It didn't, you know, deter him at all from, you know, trying to play downhill, try to play the right way, got in paint and kicked it out, made the right plays at the right time. Um, you know, free throws late in the game are, are, are huge. All right. So Dinwiddie had his triple-double on Wednesday night. Daniel Gafford played on Wednesday night with Thomas Bryan out. Daniel Gafford, who has been buried by Wes Sunsell Jr. lately, uh, did in fact start and did in fact play, uh, at least by Daniel Gafford standards. So he started and played for 21 minutes, 24 seconds, had nine points on 4-7 shooting, all twos, and seven rebounds, including five offensive boards. Yeah, I mentioned the Wizards rebounding well on Wednesday night. Denny Avdia was a big part of that. Uh, Avdia in 25-52 off the bench. 0-4 on threes, but 3-4 on twos. He finished with eight points and nine rebounds. Uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope did struggle again for the Wizards. 0-1 on threes, just 2-9 on twos. He scored just four points in 28-55 as a starter. And yes, in case you're curious, Davis Bertans, a.k.a. Davis Mahinmi, uh, he was a DNPCD for a fourth consecutive game. But good to see the Wizards get this win on Wednesday night. They needed this victory in the worst way. But next up for the Wizards is a rather tall task, especially given that Bradley Beal is out right now. The Wizards' next game, a home game against the best team in the NBA, the scorchingly hot Phoenix Suns. Saturday night at 7. The Suns right now are an NBA best 41 and 9, and they have won 11 consecutive games. So, not going to be easy for the Wizards on Saturday night, but at least the Wiz will be coming off a win. And also winning on Wednesday night was Virginia Tech. In fact, make it two consecutive wins for the Hokies. The Hokies improved to 12 and 10 overall and 4 and 7 in the ACC with an 81-66 win over Georgia Tech at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg on Wednesday night. Uh, This was a pretty stress-free win for Tech, uh, led by double-digit points for the entire second half. And this victory was off an 85-72 victory at Florida State on Saturday afternoon. And as was the case in that game, Tech shooting was very good in Wednesday night's game. Uh, the Hokies, 8 of 20 on threes, 20 of 33 on twos, outscored Georgia Tech in the paint 
36-26. The Hokies, as of games through Wednesday, number 22 among men's basketball teams in Division I in adjusted offensive efficiency for KenPalm.com. Adjusted offensive efficiency is points for 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. Adjusted offensive efficiency is maybe the best measure that we have for overall team offense in college basketball. And Virginia Tech is 22nd in the country this season in adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, As for Tech's defense on Wednesday night, Tech allowed Georgia Tech to go 10 of 25 on threes, but held Georgia Tech to just 14 of 35 on twos. Tech also had a big time advantage on free throws. Tech went 17 of 22 on free throws. Georgia Tech, 8 of 8 on free throws. Some standouts for the Hokies. Keve Aluma in just 27 minutes as a starter. 8 of 11 from the field, all twos. And 8 of 9 on free throws. He finished with 24 points and 7 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards. He did have 1 assist versus 3 turnovers. Storm Murphy, 4 of 6 on threes, 2 of 4 on twos. He finished with 18 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists versus 2 turnovers in 32 minutes as a starter. Justin Mutz, 4-4 from the field, all twos. He finished with 10 points, 8 rebounds, including 5 offensive boards, and 4 assists versus 2 turnovers in 33 minutes as a starter. Uh, two starters did struggle on threes. Hunter Couture, just 1-7 on threes. Nahim Aline, just 1-4 of four on threes. But still, nice win for Virginia Tech. The Hokies looked like they were in trouble this season, but now, going from 2-7 and seven to 4-7, and seven, in the ACC, you have some hope here. Next up for Virginia Tech at Pitt this Saturday night at 7. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 244, will feature in-depth reaction to 2.3. Dot two two. Oh, you thought that we were done with the fun with our newly minted commanders. Oh, no, no, no. We're just getting going this week. I, on Friday's show, will discuss whatever goes down on Thursday as we will have that roundtable with multiple former commanders employees before Congress detailing their experiences of workplace misconduct while working for Washington. Thursday could end up being a really bad day for Dan Snyder. We'll see. Uh, A lot of former team employees are expected to participate in this roundtable, which will be live streamed via YouTube and on the website for the Committee on Oversight and Reform. So there will be sound bites. There will be audio of these tales of workplace misconduct. Uh, Also on Friday's show, a post-game Georgetown's game on Thursday night. Will the Hoyas finally get a win in Big East play? The Hoyas are 0-8 in the Big East. They have lost nine consecutive games. We'll host St. John's at McDonough Arena Thursday evening at 6. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the, uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> <laughs> we are the commanders. The commanders. The Washington commanders. That's right. Uh, oh, wow. You didn't waste any time there. There it is. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.